Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. This is our Buffalo Bills preview, but not really, because we're not going to talk about them all that much. But first, a word from one of our latest sponsors, and that's AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop for over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year. And you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. And by the way, guys, when you hear somebody do one of these reads and they say, go see my friends over at AutoNation, well, I'm going to go do that. But when I say it, it's actually the truth. I know every single one of these guys over at the Pine Store, and that's at 8600 Pines Boulevard. If you need a Chevy, go over there. They'll take care of you. And tell them that Alf from Three Yards Per Carry sent you. Their phone number over there is at 954-357-0524. I actually know every single guy in that in that store because they're all in my fantasy league. And Chris, how did you do in your fantasy team? Because mine just completed their season this week. Oh, really? Yeah. And in our league, we have this thing where we have a bunch of different like uh, awards that we give out, you know, most points and mm-hmm. the best record and who drafted the best player, meaning who had the most fantasy points on one single guy. And I'm usually pretty good at this thing because I've made the playoffs like five times. I made three Super Bowls. We have one award which we give to the team that had the fewest amount of wins. And we call it the shithead award. Who got it? I did. (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. Yes, I won three games this year, which is. Do you get a special helmet? No, uh, I'm part of a pick'em. I'm part of a pick'em league uh, for the NFL, and um, and if you if you get last place, and, and it has to be last place in money, um, because you get you know you get some a weekly payout and and season payout. If you get last place in this league, you get a helmet helmet that has a big big dildo on top of it. So <laughs> that's that's pretty nice. Yeah. At least you get something, right? Like you get. Yeah, right. I mean, get something out of it. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. Well, all these guys are in my fantasy league, and you know, all they did was take turns beating me. I'm doing fine in fantasy. I'm not. I'm not in charge like I would like to be. Um, You know, uh, I especially in this fantasy league, I usually am. But uh, but I'm you know I'm seven and five, and and we're not done. We have one more week to play, but uh, before we get into the playoffs. But um, you know, I should be favored this week, and uh, I don't know. I'm 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 feeling okay. Um, I've done all. I mean. I got Todd Gurley. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's been a boon all week. I got Tyreek Hill. That's been a, or all, all year. That's been a boon all year. Um, working fine with Julian Edelman and, uh, and Sony Michelle and, and Kenyon Drake has been not, not the player I thought he could be, but 17 at the position isn't that bad. Um, so, you know, hey. yeah, he just came off of a really, really nice game. If you have a PPR mm-hmm. league, he just had like 26 points. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he had a nice week for me that. last week. But, yeah, uh, as far as my team, I just outsmarted myself. I had Antonio Brown in the first round, and then I took Dalvin Cook and Kenyon Drake in back-to-back fit. Oh, you know what I can – I just heard – I just heard uh, Slim from uh, from the Balls cast shouting in the background, nobody cares about your fantasy league. <laughs> Which is the truth. The worst yeah. – the worst thing you can do is just tell everybody else about your fantasy league, but usually – Let's talk about this for, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes but no i don't want to talk about mine mine, mine was an absolutely <laughs> unmitigated disaster this year but another thing that's and watch this segue you see this is this is yeah, I, I see it coming i see it coming okay talking about another unmitigated disaster your miami mm-hmm. dolphins ladies and gentlemen well i thought you were gonna pivot that to like a fantasy draft like you know <laughs> speaking of speaking of front offices playing fantasy football like what did the dolphins do this you know what i mean 
Well, this offseason, we kind of liked what they did. And we did. I step back from it and I say, did they have a bad draft? No. No, did not you like, at all. Did you hate what they signed in free agency? No. So where's the mistake? And injuries is not an excuse. Let's not use injuries for this one. I, yeah. Although, yes. Well, I'm, I'm yes, sorry. They, they have had a, a There are some issues of, there. Yeah, they have had a ton of injuries, but does it cost them a game? Maybe. Does it cost them two mm -hmm. games? I don't know. But, you know, let's leave that out for now. That We'll have plenty of time to, to talk about that once the season is done. But they're here. They're five and six, essentially out of the playoff chase. Yeah, Unless something much. crazy happens down the stretch. So where did they go wrong this offseason? Well, let's start out with what didn't necessarily go wrong. So what didn't necessarily go wrong is I don't think that they're necessarily a better defense right now or a better team with Ndamukong Sue even, you know, who is, you know, a monster player, and I, I, I love him. If you look at him, what he's doing on the Rams, he's, he's doing well, but, uh, but that Rams defensive line is still – you know, it's it's the Aaron Donald show, no doubt about it. Yes. Um, and he's just got absolutely ridiculous production, and um, and and they have issues stopping the run too. Yeah. So I mean, and Dominican Sue, that didn't end up being a big deal. I'll tell you what, didn't also didn't end up being a big deal. Losing Jarvis Landry. I mean, what's he doing on the Browns? The Browns just had an offensive explosion this week, and Jarvis Landry might as well have stayed home. Yes. Because uh, for all terrible this year, aside yeah. from a couple of games where he's flashed and he's made some big plays, namely that uh, that first win against the Jets. He, he mm -hmm. got great in that game. Other yeah. than that, he's been non-existent. Yeah, non-existent. I mean, and, and they replaced him with Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson. Had Albert Wilson not gotten hurt, and I know that that's like, you know, a, a what if. What if it's certainly, I, I take that Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson all day over Jarvis Landry's uh, salary. Um, that didn't end up being a big deal. Mike Pouncey ended up being a big, a bigger deal than probably we we thought it would be, but not because Mike Pouncey's playing particularly well in in Chargers land, because um, he's he's all right. He's not, and um, and he has he has missed some snaps, but uh, but not necessarily as many as you would have thought. <laughs> um, he's been all right in Chargers land. He's had some pretty bad games, uh, but we replaced him with somebody who you know, turned out to be not worth it. And that's Daniel Kilgore. Even before Kilgore got hurt, he was not playing well. He no. was playing poorly. And, um, and we got him and, and we kind of, you know, and I fell into the trap, you know, we're, well, Daniel Kilgore, he's, he's healthy. He's going to participate in all the practices and stuff like that. Well, you know, I always get caught in this. I, I'm ignoring something that, um, you know, a data point that I just don't like. And the, the data point that I'm ignoring is the simple fact that Daniel Kilgore early in his career had a lot of injury problems of his own, mostly just one sort of big injury that had complications and recurrent, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, but still, I mean, a guy like that that has that sort of history he gets hurt and he misses most of the year. Are you that surprised? And so we walked out of Mike Pouncey with his durability issues, and we stepped into Daniel Kilgore with a different set of durability issues. He's got to go. He, I, I think honestly, that's that's my opinion. Um, so that's that was a wrong thing right there. Uh, that was you know Robert Quinn, and this was sort of one that I sort of anticipated a little bit that that they traded a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn they traded a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn and everybody acted like we just pulled the biggest you know stunt on on, on everybody else in the league we just pulled one over on everybody like we acquired this pro bowl 27 year old talent he's going to be awesome and it reminded me so much of the David Boston thing way back in the way back in the day when we acquired David Boston for what was like a sixth round pick or something like that and um, and everybody acted like, oh my God, we got David Boston. That's so awesome. We did, you know, we did awesome. We pulled one over on the rest of the league. When you acquire these guys for late round picks, it's you often get what you pay for. I mean, I'll, you, I'll give you a better one. It, it reminded me. It reminded me a lot of Bobby Humphrey. Do you remember when they signed Bobby? Oh God, <laughs> you're you're going you're going even further back than I can go. Okay. <laughs> okay. For years and years, you had Dan Marino and a bunch of wide receivers and a really good mm -hmm. offensive line, but they just couldn't run the ball. So what mm -hmm. do you do? You go and you get a really young running back that had a 1,000-yard season. Mm -hmm. Well, Bobby Humphrey just basically became a platooning running back here, and 
he was okay. He had his mm. moments. That was a really good running back on Tecmo, though. Yes, he was. Bobby Humphrey? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How much did they pay for Bobby Humphrey? I think it was like a third-round pick or something like that. Okay. Well, I mean, the point I'm trying to make, though, is that we gave a fourth-round pick, and we're getting a fourth-round pick's value out of him, yeah. um, which is maybe not even that because we're paying him an awful lot of money, and, and he's not really – he's producing about – I mean, I, I just looked at the pressure rates, and I talked about Cameron Wake and, and the season that he's having. He is having, by the way, folks, I don't care what you say about sack totals, uh, you can stuff it because his pressure rate this year is above. He has an elite pressure rate uh, career-wise at about 16%, something, something around those lines. And nobody gets that. Nobody gets that. Nobody sustains that, certainly, except him. And this is why he's so awesome. Except this year, it's like 20%. It's even better. I mean, he's, he's yeah. just he's awesome this year. He's been great. He's probably the second most dangerous pass rusher in the league when, you know, first or second most dangerous pass rusher in the league when he's actually on the field. I, I understand he's not on the field as much as some other guys. He's not on the field like only 10 snaps a game either, but he's on the field you know, not as much as some other guys. When he is on the field, he's an extremely dangerous pass rusher. Having him is like right now, from a pressure standpoint, from a pressure production standpoint, having Cameron Wake on the field is like having two Robert Quinns on the field. It's like having a five-man defensive line with two Robert Quinns, you know, and that, that's, what, that's what Cameron Wake is worth to you right now. And, and he is a bargain from a salary cap standpoint or from a salary standpoint right now. So he's a big source of value for the Dolphins right now. Robert Quinn is not because Robert Quinn, you know, he's just too, he's not versatile enough in the ways that he gets to the quarterback. He gets to the quarterback one way and it's a way that quarterbacks are able to handle. I mean, they're they're able to, I mean, they don't feel it from him. So it doesn't impact their decision-making as much. They, they step up in the pocket sort of by rote and by instinct. And, um, and then he just gets kind of washed by now, if they try and get cute and hold on to the ball for a long time, then or try and move and move the angles like Andrew Luck did this weekend. You know, he got sacked by Robert Quinn. I think it was actually called back on a penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but he got sacked by Robert Quinn because Andrew Luck got a little bit cute with holding the ball and moving the pocket and trying to pull the defensive line away from um, uh, an outlet, you know, coming out of the backfield, so that that outlet could spring uh, spring into the second and third levels and and spring hell on our zone defenders. You know, he did that a couple of times, and then one of the times he got he got too cute with it. You give Robert Quinn enough time, he's going to run all the way around the tackle and come back. You know, and and yeah. so because you know, he, he can't run. And if you, you remember, if you remember in preseason, uh, I, I think I said it on one of the podcasts that if you if you were a Martian and you came down from the heavens and visited us in a, in a UFO and you and your first experience on this earth was a dolphin game, you would have thought that Robert Quinn was the best defensive player in the entire league because he was mm-hmm. absolutely unblockable. What I've noticed is that he's the opposite of what most pass rushers are in the NFL. Most pass rushers in the NFL get stronger as the game gets longer and are actually much more dangerous in the fourth quarter because you mm. might have a tiring left tackle in front of you. Robert Quinn's the opposite. Mm. He, he comes out of the gate playing really hard, really fast, and he just slowly fades as the mm. game goes on. And I don't know what that's about, but I've yeah. seen it happen. I mean, maybe it maybe he's, older, he's older than his years. You know, that happens. He's maybe. 27, 28 years old, but some people's 27, 28 years old. You know, listen, Cameron Wake at – 36 years old or something like that is is different than other 36 year olds we know that so maybe it goes the other way too maybe maybe robert quinn's 27 28 years old is actually kind of an old um an old body i mean he has been in the league for a long time uh, that's so he may be young or he may be may look young but he has been he has some tread on the tires so I, you know i think that's one thing that you look at robert quinn has not been uh what the what we all thought he was in training camp because he was making waves. Um, what we all thought he was in preseason because he was, he was making waves. Uh, he's just, he's really faded. He's only getting a pre- I mentioned those pressure rates. His pressure rate is only about 10% right now. Um, that's what Charles Harris's is. And we dig on Charles Harris all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not looking good. You, he looks good by, you know, there are some next gen new age measures that have to do with, 
you know, whether you get close to the quarterback within a certain amount of time frame. Well, he looks pretty good on those because of the way he rushes the passer and his, his bendiness, you know, as they talk about. Like, yeah. he can get around to the outside and come pretty close to that quarterback very often. Yeah. But the quarterback doesn't feel it. The quarterback doesn't care. He steps up, and unless Robert Quinn actually gets that hand out and sacks the guy and, you know, forces the fumble, which he's not been doing, then it doesn't matter. You know, he's not feeling it. So yeah. what, it's not pressure production. It's right. not, that's, that's the, so it's not actual production that he's producing. <laughs> so Yeah, on Robert Quinn, uh, the problem I see is that before the season started, we thought that we could get a ton of snaps out of Robert Quinn, and slowly but surely, Cam Wake would become the specialist, the third-down rush specialist on this team. But it's actually the opposite. The guy who's much more suited to be just the specialist at mm -hmm. right defensive end is Robert Quinn. The problem is and that you're paying him so much money that he just can't be that. He has to play yeah. many more snaps. He's gone next year. But, I mean, Cameron yeah. Wake, Cameron Wake, you know – this happens – this seems to happen every time, though, doesn't it? Like, yeah. we think that we're going to make Cameron Wake just a pass rush specialist, and then it's like – you know, it's not that he's playing poorly, and, and, and that's why you have to do something different with him. It's that, you know, he plays so well, you're like, I don't want to take him off the field on these other downs. He produces on these other downs, too. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's been better against the run than, you know, than in some of the years that he's played for the Miami Dolphins. That's gone – so Cameron Wake – that let's take that aside because that's gone right. Robert Quinn has not gone right. And Dominican Sue has not been a factor. Jarvis Landry missing him has not been a factor. Mike Pouncey missing him was only a factor because the replacement, Daniel Kilgore, was honestly the, a dud. Um, that, was, that was a bad idea. Josh Sitton, uh, was that a mistake or did you just get kind of unlucky? I think they got kind of unlucky there. I don't think he was – you know, he wasn't all that in a bag of chips in the one game he did play necessarily, but he was going to be a hell of a lot better than what we've been getting at left guard with Ted Larson um, and and others that have, you know, cycled into that position. Uh, so you got a little unlucky there. You definitely got a little unlucky with Albert Wilson because he was it. Like, he, this was another Issa abdul Caduce signing. You know, and and you were surprised to the upside on him. He's very He was very good for the Miami Dolphins, and then he, um, he really hurt his hip in a significant way. Uh, so that, that, got, that went right, but also, you know, an injury, unlucky. The Tannehill thing, the Tannehill versus backups thing. Uh, everybody wants to talk about the backup issues with Brock Osweiler and stuff like that. Wh what did we end up playing? Like five games with Brock Osweiler, and he went two and three? Yeah. Would you – who – who would you have gotten? Who could you have gotten out there anywhere? Let's bar virtually none um, and say, you know, whether it's first round of the draft, Josh Rosen or, you know, whatever, uh, Lamar Jackson, who could have gotten you better than that, than, than what they got, given the way they lost those, those games and, and what they got, who would we be better off with? Um, I can't really think of anybody. No, you know, yeah, people talk about AJ McCarron. He got tossed around, and you know, it's cut, and you know, he's not good. Uh, I'm, no, no, not that either. <laughs> yeah, the only argument to be made is that you would have had an asset had you drafted a guy. Yeah, but right. then, but then people keep people keep forgetting this because I see it on Twitter all the time. I see it on Twitter, and and I'm sorry, guys, watch Lamar Jackson play. He's not good. He's not at least he's not good now. Maybe he'll not be really. good later on, but. He's not good right now. I don't yeah. care how many wins he gets, okay? Right. They're not winning because of him. Trust me when mm -hmm. I tell you. And they're not going to win going forward because he'll be dead if he keeps running the ball 27 times a game, okay? You can't do that in the NFL. I don't care who you are. Maybe if you're Cam Newton because you're bigger than most defensive ends, you're 6'5", mm -hmm. 265 pounds, yeah, you could run and run a linebacker over. But Lamar Jackson, he's not built like that. And – he keeps playing that style. He's going to get hurt, and he's not going to be long for this league. Now, mm. he hasn't played all that well. So what people keep forgetting is, yeah, okay, go get uh, Lamar Jackson. First of all, people are, are assuming they could just use the Gasecki pick. Well, no. Yeah, right. You would have had to make a trade. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 
Or you'd had to trade down. More likely, you'd had to trade down with the New Orleans Saints, who offered their pick to us. Yes, exactly. Which means first next year. Which so, means you lose Minka Fitzpatrick, people. That's right, and and what that would have been devastating to the poor defense that we that we've already had. Like everybody says, well, the defense sucks anyway, but the defense can always get worse. I've seen worse okay yes. i mean if you if you followed new orleans over the years you've seen much worse uh so i mean it can always get worse and there have been games adam Gase is right he's talked about this there have been games the defense bailed them out played yeah. well enough to win the game and they won the game so um you know would that have happened without making fitzpatrick i'm not sure that it was uh, i'm not sure that it would and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right to where, where I think the biggest problem is, and I think the biggest problem has to be in coaching because if we yeah. like everybody they drafted and mm-hmm. it's just bad luck here. Well, not everybody. And Mike Gesicki's obviously been really – Yeah, he's I been mean, a problem. But If we, you want to talk about personnel, um, personnel disappointments, then the tight end position is, on the offense is a big one. The interior offensive line, because a little bit of bad luck with Josh Sitton, is another big one because of Daniel Kilgore, Josh Sitton, you know, those, those problems. And, and then on the defensive side, on the defensive side from a personnel standpoint, placing way too much. And we knew this. We knew this. We talked about it. Um, we said that Raekwon McMillan might be the most important player on the defense. That wasn't because we thought he was good. That was because we saw the most, I mean, the biggest sombrero on the defense was put right over his head and he's swimming in it. I mean, that's, and that's, that's what, what has ended up happening. He's not able to hold it up, hold up his end of the bargain. And, um, and that, so that ended up being a personnel mistake, Raekwon McMillan, uh, counting on him too much um and then you know tj mcdonald of course and um so those those are personnel based mistakes aside from that what you're getting to is coaching absolutely and i'm gonna and i'm gonna tell you why if we like what they did and we like some of the talent like let's put your put yourself in adam gase's shoes or mike tannenbaum's shoes or for that matter stephen ross's shoes and let's say we did not have a defensive coordinator in Matt Burke. We had to go interview a guy. And the guy comes here, and he wants to know what's the talent on the team. And you tell him you have Cam Wake, Xavier Howard, Rashad Jones, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And then you have a pretty nice young guy in Jerome Baker. Oh, yeah. If you just give him that, mm-hmm. I just rattled off five guys. You play 11, Okay and you really play like about 16 in a rotation, you're pretty much almost there toward the type of defense that you want. Mm-hmm. So what can the problem be? Yeah, I mean – My and, contention and, is that this defense should have been a lot better than it mm-hmm. is right now. And it's just – I think it's a bad defense. I don't think – it was a bad defense last year. I don't think it improved all that much this year. No, no, I, I don't think – yeah, I mean, some of the personnel improved. I mean, we're getting a lot more turnovers, right? Um, yeah, than than we did last year. Yeah, and so that's 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 the big thing. That's the big thing. Xavier Howard, you know, the the tear that he went on in the second half of last year, he continued it for the most part. Um, you know, had the first three games that were, I think, I think his first three games were just ludicrous. Um, and then I think he had kind of a lull of the next four or, or you know, five. And then, you know, he's turn, clearly turned it back up again. You know, he, that's a strong, that's a very strong um, difference for this year's defense versus last year's. Minka Fitzpatrick is a huge difference for this year's defense versus last year's. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, those two guys getting, getting more than just, say, five games of, um, of Xavier Howard playing well last year versus, you know, however many it's going to be by the end of this, this year, that's, um, that's a big difference. And so is Minka Fitzpatrick. So I would say those two are big pluses. Like, and that's why we've got so many turnovers. One of the reasons that we've got so many turnovers, Kiko Alonso is playing better. I don't think Kiko Alonso's, I still don't want him on the team next year, but I, I think that he's, he's playing better and making more big plays, but it does come at a, at a significant cost. Yeah, his um, counting stats are, are off the charts. And yeah. and if he makes another play in, like, let's say, against the Patriots, like, let's say he mm-hmm. comes up with an interception against Brady, that's usually when you have to do it. That's when everybody mm-hmm. in the league – Yeah, everybody's it, looking. Yeah, everybody's looking. If he does that, 
then they're just yeah. going to look down at his stats and they're going to say, my God, what a season he's had. Sure. In my opinion, he's had some very good games. I would trade him. But just like he's had some very good games, he's had some stinkers. Yeah, okay. and, he, and it's not just the stink, the stinkers of games. It's like stinking, stinkers of quarters or, or you know, that's like, like individual, plays, plays. individual plays during the game where he's, you know, he's out of position. And, you know, hey, I, I appreciate that you made this big play and he did make the, you know, big play. But then you had five others over here where, you know, those kept drives alive or those, you know, that they, they scored because of that, or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I'm, that's, if he's got like all those counting stats by the end of the year, hopefully he's got trade value and you could say, you know, Hey, you, you want, you want Keiko Alonso or we'll give him to you. Um, yeah. If he makes a pro bowl, if he makes a yeah. pro bowl, I think somebody will step up somewhere out there and hand us a third round pick. I, I hope so. And I, I think so. a third-round pick could be really, really valuable in this upcoming draft. Because absolutely, especially with the defensive talent that you you have. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that they gotta just. I don't know if they're gonna do it again, but I think they have to spend a little money on free agency, mm-hmm. and that brings us to the second point here. We yeah. already talked about what's wrong, what went wrong, which was really around the edges. But what is the quickest fix? In my opinion, the quickest fix has to be all along that defensive line and that offensive line, and you have to spend money. They're going to have some cap space. They're mm-hmm. going to have to use it and use it wisely. Just it's like so did. hard to use it wisely. I, yes, you it know, I know it's it's always easy for us to say, but it's not hard. You know, we we well they we did, did hit bingo. They did hit line. bingo with Albert Wilson. Right, that's true. Do um, it again we, with a defensive lineman. That's right. But, and we, and you do it with, and before that, like I mentioned, Issa Abdul Kadus was a good signing in previous, but then all of a sudden he gets, you know, his career ended. It's so hard to do that. And I know that we, we dig on Mike Tannenbaum all the time because our feel is that he has his hands more involved in free agency than the draft. Yeah. And we know that the draft belongs to Chris Greer and I'm sure Chris Greer has much to do with the, the free agency as well, but, you know, we feel like Mike Tannenbaum has a little bit more to say there. Um, we dig on him, but at the same time, you know, y- nobody gets banged for their buck in free agency. No. It just it just seems it just seems like a, a failing proposition, and that's one of the things that's so frustrating. Is you're like, well, what we need to do is we need to get you know this and this, and and we need to fill this hole and do that. But you're you're doing it with players who are just disappointing you left and right, and and most. I mean, every now and then you hit on everything like the Jaguars did a couple of years back, and it's like we bought a defense, you know. We yes. and, and and it worked out really well. So now we're going to have great now. But um, but yeah, and no. let's let's go in our little time machine. Let's go in our little time machine. It's only been a year, but a mm-hmm. year ago at this point, we weren't even. It wasn't even being talked about as much. It was getting talked about a lot in the playoffs, where a lot of people were just going out on Twitter and saying, "You see." You can buy a defense. The Jaguars That's right. there, bought a defense, boom, they're in the AFC championship game, and good God, they almost made it to the Super Bowl. That's Where right. Are they now today. With Blake Bortles. <laughs> With Blake Bortles. Where <laughs> are they today? They just yeah. losing to the team that we're playing this Sunday. Uh, By the way, somebody should go get Blake Bortles next year because Blake Bortles in an odd year is a different Blake Bortles than in any <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> it's insane, but it's true. That's so, so true. I say they got to spend some money on the defensive line and on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, people. I know it's, it's not sexy to say so. They got to spend draft picks on yeah. that offensive and defensive line. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I, I know it's like this, this broken record with the offensive line talk. And, and I, I hate talking about it and I hate hearing about it. And, you know, because it's a five man position. So technically speaking, you've, you're you're going to average one of those positions a year that you have to address at least one yeah. you know and so so everybody's like oh we need to finally take care of the offense well you never really take care of it um so but, but the simple fact of the matter is you, they got to get a center um they got to figure out what they're doing with Juwan James at right tackle uh and you know I'm I'm actually still kind of okay with Jesse. Maybe some some other people might not be, uh, and I, I totally understand it. But I'm still kind of okay with Jesse Davis. I think he can be your fifth offensive lineman. 
Uh, the problem is that right now, and, and at various points this year, he's been more like your second offensive lineman. Um, and that's so, you, and that's a problem. Uh, but Josh Sitton will come back, and I don't think I don't get the sense that they're just going to let him go just because of this one year. So I think that he's going to be back, and and that could possibly be a good deal for us. Um, so you you really just you know get a center, solidify that, and like get a get a good center and get some really good you know depth and you might be you might be good there um, depending on what happens with Juwan James um so you know taking care of the offensive line definitely a must uh but on on the subject of spending money and we talked about this if they are getting rid of Ryan Tannehill if um they're getting rid of Robert Quinn if they're gonna get rid of and I assume they're gonna get rid of Andre Branch uh, who who costs them? Who has a seven million dollars uh, coming to him next year, and, and they're not going to pay that. Uh, T.J. McDonald, on you know he has over five million dollars coming to him. I don't think they're going to pay that. Uh, Three point six of it is guaranteed, but it's it's probably going to be a non-issue because on free agency, I think he'd get more than that. Um, you know, if you get rid of all these guys, including like a Ted Larson and stuff like that, then your payroll next year, and and let's say you go even further and get rid of Kiko Alonso. Your payroll next year is going to be something like, well, like sixty-six million, sixty-seven million, or something like that, yeah. uh, versus a salary cap that it's going to be like one hundred and eighty-five or one hundred and ninety million. Okay, so, now, so they're going to have plenty to spend. Yeah, forget the salary cap number, and and that, that that's a paper number, and it's a paper number, and it is completely manipulable. I know this. I'm in finance for a living. This is my real job, folks. Um, so I. I think, you know, you got to get away from that and look at the actual dollar, the dollars that are set to go to leave the bank and, you know, and, and go to uh, players next year. If they cut all those players is only about like 65 to 70 million uh, versus a, a budget of 185 or 190. So they'll have money to spend uh, that they can figure out the um, the creative ways that they need to do it in order to manipulate the salary cap and get that done. That's not a problem. Um, so they could have some money to spend if they want to, if they really want to. I wonder, you know, I mean, it, it really we'll have to fast forward and see. <laughs> but Steve Ross is getting awful depressed. I wonder if he's going to want to be under the salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just like, hey, I'd rather make a profit. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to make a profit no matter what. Uh, even if they're all the way up to the salary cap, they're going to make a couple yeah. million dollars. You know, sure. NFL teams are not like huge money-making enterprises. You know, yeah. you're, you're really just gaining equity every single year. Yeah, gaining equity. That's, that's Okay, big... so we kind of decided that they have to spend a little bit of money. They now, do. this is, of course, all of this is, of course, barring the miracle of miracles, which is a Russell Wilson maybe <laughs> becoming available. Well, so, think, well, think about that payroll figure. That's an awful big hole. That's yeah. an awful big hole where you could fit some, somebody like that. Now, yeah. it's not going to happen. It's right. not going to happen because I, I truly don't believe those, that caliber quarterback really ever – leaves the team and goes to the other team I, it's I just, so rare and uh, i can't even think of a time when it happened well one time where a very high quality a, a high quality starter left one team and went to another uh, brett Favre is what i can think of that's the best i can do but the packers did have aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings so yeah, they were ready brett to Favre didn't even cost brett, brett Favre didn't even cost that much at that point wasn't it like a third round pick that he went to the Jets for or something like no, that? No, wasn't that? Uh, uh, no, I remember when he went to the to the Vikings. But first he first he went to the Jets and yes. sucked, and then he went to the Vikings and, and was spectacular. And was spectacular. That's but when when he only, went, Mike only... Tannenbaum actually traded for him. Mike Tannenbaum was the guy that traded for him from yes. the um from the Packers to the Jets, and I think I swear it was only a third round pick. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, he old, was he was old and washed thing. up and broken at that point. Yeah. That's the only instance I can think of of an Russell Wilson is not old and washed up and broken. <laughs> no, he's he's right in his prime and, and yeah. he's an elite quarterback. That so, that is that, so I just never imagine it happening. I mean, you never. There's always going to be a first, but yeah, if, if there's always going to be a first, and you never yeah. know what happens from now sure. until then. And you know how things can happen. Look, it's happened with Le'Veon Bell. Of course, Le'Veon Bell is a running back. Yeah, man, that that happens though. Running backs, you know, they got such a short expiration tag. They're <laughs> 
and elite ones yeah. do move constantly. Yeah, yeah, in the do. NFL, that happens often. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, I don't see it happening because it's never happened before. Yeah, but if it does happen, the Dolphins will be in that hunt because they well that so. The revelation, what we're trying to tell you, though, about that is though it, you know, in our wildest dreams, we can't imagine it happening because we just can't imagine the Seahawks playing ball with that. Right. Um, the Dolphins have the hole in their payroll to do it. Yes. They do. They have more than enough if they get rid of Ryan Tannehill and Robert Quinn and the players that we talk about. Yeah. Um, forget the salary cap. The, the one year, everybody, it's all about this one year salary cap. No, business is planned long term. Okay, this is what they do. Um, so, you know, it's not about that. It's not, it's not about that at all. The hole in the payroll is big enough. Yeah. But more than big enough. It's more, big enough for like three Russell Wilsons. Well, Chris, they play the Buffalo Bills. We're going to finally yeah. get to them after, after 35 minutes on this podcast. The Buffalo Bills, they're playing a lot better. And your boy Josh Allen comes to town. Mm -hmm. How do you see this game going? Give us a prediction. Uh, so it would be the most. I mean, we're we always we're trying to figure out like the most dolphin thing ever. We were talking about this before, and yes. um, <laughs> and and to me, it's it's so it's so within character for the Miami Dolphins to like lose last week, which was a must win if they want the playoffs mm -hmm. to have like a four percent chance of the playoffs now. And then to turn around, and it's not like they lost by a lot. I mean, they got a couple of couple of bad breaks maybe, but play a little bit better here or there, they'd probably win that game. Um, it'd be just like them to turn around and win this game and, you know, get to six and six and make it look like they're still, you know, hey, six, six and six isn't bad, regardless of what your playoff outlook is. It would be a lot like them to do that. And that's kind of where I see what I see coming. But, and I was pointing this out earlier, uh, Josh Allen has as many wins this year as Ryan Tannehill does. Uh, so, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Bills are, uh, we're going to run roughshod over them. Uh, they have four wins. They're four and seven. We're, we're five and six. I mean, it's one game's worth of difference. It's not that big. And so, you know, this, this is not the, I think the big difference is that we're going to be at home and the Dolphins at home under Adam Gase are a different, much better team. The offense at home is, a, you know, it tend, when Ryan Tannehill's there, it tends to play like a top 10 top type of offense. Um, and so you get that. And then I don't think Josh Allen can actually keep up, uh, especially with a secondary that creates a lot of turnovers. So, you know, that's, that's what I'd be looking for. Uh, the turnovers there there are certain ways that you can get you can you can trick a Josh Allen um, as a rookie certainly uh, and then um, and then the offense if the offense is going to play like a top 10 type of offense because they're at home and they have Ryan Tannehill and he appears healthy you know um, then that's that's where this is going they go ahead and win the game um, but I'm going to go with you know a, a classic home tight one something like 26 to uh to 21 all right well that's it for chris this week we got to go to break now and when we come back from break i'll have simon clancy with me and who knows maybe we talk a, a little bit of boxing but first these words this week on the five reasons podcast we put out four new episodes with john krasinski on the jimmy butler miami heat trade talks there are people within the wolves organization that think the heat were as responsible for that falling apart as the Wolves were. With Tom Haberser on the NBA. I was introducing Eric Spolster, the coach of the Miami Heat, and I say, hey, Eric, this is uh, my boss, John. John, this is Eric. And Ira walks by and goes, oh, congrats on your new job, Tom. Another one? <laughs> what, next week? <laughs> next week you're going to have another one? With former Dolphins quarterback Sage Rosenfels on his post-playing political work. Well, after I retired, I counted how much money I had. I knew what my budget was, and at one point I realized I had you money, and I didn't give a what people thought about what my politics were. And on the Dolphins' win over the Jets. It is the worst offense in Dolphin history. They had guys named Dick Wood playing quarterback <laughs> before Greasy got here. Literally, his name is Dick Wood. Look it up. He's not, he's that's all, he's that's not true. Catch this and much more on the Five Reasons podcast available in the same places you're listening to this podcast. 
Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> is chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. <laughs> so make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. And we're back on Three Yards Per Carry, and I have Simon Clancy here with me. And we're going to get into all the same things that I, we got into in the first half of the show with Chris Kaufman and myself, but first, Simon has some words on BetBSI. I do. They are partners, as I'm sure you know, if you're a, uh, a regular listener. NFL and NCAA season's coming to an end. Championship weekend in college football this weekend. Uh, so you can take your pigskin knowledge to the bank, our bank, your bank at BetDSI.com. Help you get started. They're offering double your money on your first deposit. So deposit now, start winning, and get up to $2,500 for free. So you double your money, essentially, from the get-go. When it comes to football, they've got every wedge you could want. And if it's happening in sports, they'll put a line on it. The NFL, the NCAA, Major League Baseball, when it rolls back around, basketball, March Madness, UFC, the Premier League, eSport, boxing, as we're going to talk about this weekend. Join BetDSI today using promo code YARDS, that's us, YARDS101, that's YARDS101, to get in the action and get paid. Stop standing on the sidelines. Enjoy the games that much more when you bet with betdsi.com. Well, Simon, the first half of the show was kind of cathartic because we just looked back on what were the failures, and we didn't find that many in the offseason. It was just a, a lot of bad luck, but we didn't identify what went wrong, and we decided it was mostly along the offensive and defensive lines. And we think – this off season has to be dedicated to spending a little bit of money. We're going to have some cap space and spend it on that defensive and offensive line, as well as using draft picks. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I think the, the, the line play interior line play, I think defensive ends, defensive tackles as well. I think, you know, I think we miss Vincent Taylor uh, probably a little bit more than we thought we would. Um, and I think he's developed into a, into a good player. Um, I also think safety is an issue for us because I think if Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play, um, if Minka Fitzpatrick is going to play at uh, cornerback as it looks like he might do, and then you shore up, you have Howard Fitzpatrick and, and Bobby McCain on the nickel. That's a really good sort of three-man corner group. But I, I do think that we're weak at safety. I think Rashad Jones is having a very down year. I wonder whether injuries uh, are beginning to accumulate and catch up with him. I wonder if. Um, you know, the shoulder is is catching up. And also, you know, he's an older guy. And he's also a guy that potentially you could cut financially. Same with TJ McDonald, who I don't think makes it to us, uh, you know, makes it with us next season in terms of um, his deal and his performance. I just don't think he's in any way, shape or form good enough. So for me, those would be the three positions that I'd, you know, be looking at um, to, to upgrade on interior offensive line along the defensive line and, and, and safety play. Because actually I think safety play will help us mirror some of the issues with our linebackers as well, or cover some of the issues with our linebackers. We talked on Monday about Jerome Baker and, and how he's really beginning to grow into that role. Raquan McMillan obviously has been very disappointing. Kiko Alonso has made a lot of plays, but and he's made a lot of tackles, but there's still a bit of a disconnect with me for Kiko because he's still as responsible for certain things as, you know, and just sometimes our tackling is bad and we're all over the place defensively. And, you know, some, we, there needs to be, where's the Patrick Willis? Where's the Ray Lewis? Where's the guy that's going to, where's the Luke Keekley? Where's the guy who's going to stand up and that, that's going to take everybody on their shoulders? It can't be Cameron Wake anymore. It can't be Rashad Jones anymore. I don't think it can be a cornerback because, they're, you know, they're not involved in it you know, in every single aspect of every single down. It has to be somebody, I think, on that interior defensive line, like an Aaron Donald or a Luke Keekley or, or, or an Earl Thomas. Where are those players on our team? And we do not have them, you know, moving forward. So I think yeah, investment in those areas is key. I think there's a, you know, there's a number of very interesting players, you know, that will be out there that, you know, maybe the everyday football fan doesn't see. But actually, uh, you know, I think there are players out there that could potentially do a job. Yeah, Chris, Chris was saying that it's very hard because I said it's important that they spend their free agent dollars 
wisely this offseason. And he says it's, it hardly ever happens for anybody because free agency is kind of a losing proposition. Hmm. But we did, we did identify three guys that, and three moves that we, we, we came to a consensus are like no-brainers. Number one is trying to trade Kiko Alonso. His yep. counting stats are going to be pretty good this year. And we were rooting for uh, an interception of Tom Brady when we played the Patriots. So that way the entire league sees it. And then they go on his page and look at all the yeah. stats he has this year. And maybe somebody sends us a third round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we identified. I think it'll happen, but. Yeah, well, we can hope. But we identified two starters that have to be replaced. There must, they have to be replaced. And that's Robert Quinn and Daniel yep. Kilgore. Yeah. And how would you go about replacing those two guys? Well, I mean, uh, I, the issue I think at defensive end is we rather shot ourselves in the foot last year with Charles Harris, you know, and I, and I think Harris gets enough latitude to last through until next, the end of next season, because really this season has been a washout because of the injury. But even when he wasn't injured either, if, you know, early in the season or on Sunday, and, and obviously harder on Sunday because he's coming back from six, seven weeks out, but he doesn't look like, you know, he, Unless I'd seen his number, which I did, I wouldn't have known he was playing. I never heard his name called. He never, yeah. you know, he didn't do anything. And that for me is a concern because essentially you're looking at four defensive ends, really, in Andre Branch. Is he going to stick around? He's paying, he's getting paid a reasonably significant amount of money to be a rotational defensive end. Harris, who's really flattered to deceive. Cam Wake, who will be 37, 38 next 37. season. He'll be 37 next season. And Robert Quinn, who's fallen off a, who's fallen off the proverbial cliff. Now, obviously, draft-wise, it's a really strong draft for defensive ends. But the expert, you know, that you can say that on the one hand, but the expectation is that then you are really hoping that two guys, really and truthfully, come in and are really strong every-down players from the get-go. And the likelihood of that happening is fairly unlikely. You know, the, the, there are players for me in free agency that I like. That there's certainly players on the interior of the defensive line, actually, that, that I like more. One of the guys I'm, I'm a big fan of is Michael Pierce, who's a big run-stuffing defensive tackle for Baltimore. One of those typical under-the-radar guys, plays really, really well, is, you know, is a, just a really good, and, and part of that sort of ongoing line of interior Baltimore defensive players that, you know, over the years going back, Haloti Nata, Sam Adams, or uh, the big fella that they've got now, whose name currently escapes me, uh, Brandon Williams. Um, Pierce is another one in that kind of long line of, of interior defensive line players who I think would really help us do a job shoring up, you know, what is clearly a very, very leaky run game. But, I, you know, I agree with you completely. I think that, you know, we're going to have to find defensive ends and whether that comes in the draft, which it probably should do. And also, I wonder whether or not, you know, because at the moment I think we're currently in the 13th, pick we'd have the 13th pick of the draft was today yeah part of me wonders if you don't end up doing a little bit like what green bay did last year in terms of just dealing down with new orleans dealing up to get marcus davenport green bay dealing down later in the first round picking up an extra first round pick maybe an extra first round pick in next year's draft or you know looking forward to 2020 but i just think you've got to do something to start moving the needle i just i just don't think you can end up picking 12 13 14 15 picking a guy you know, who's not one of the top guys and he's not a quarterback and you, you're hoping that he doesn't become a Charles Harris. You're hoping that he, you know, the needle goes towards being a Minka Fitzpatrick. But it's difficult, you know. And it, What do you do? It's difficult, you know. But good, t you know, bad teams become good teams quickly. Look at the Rams. We played the Rams, what, three seasons ago at the Coliseum? Yes. And we ended, up winning, we ended up winning 14 13. It was Jared Goss' first game. It was an awful game and we should have won considerably more comfortably than we did but now look where the Rams you know the Rams were, we were pretty abject that day the Rams were totally abject that day you know it was like I said it was Goff's first start it was the end of the Jeff Fisher regime and now look where they are you know they've played one of the greatest NFL games in the last 20 years on Mon you know, last Monday night and they're one of three favorites to win to win the Super Bowl it's you know, turnarounds can happen quickly, but you've got to get the right people in and you've got to steer clear of injuries. And that's another thing I would be looking, you know, I hope there's a really, you know, and I know Gaze does those in-depth investigations. They did one last year into culture. I really hope there's an in-depth investigation into why we've had so many injuries because it, it feels like it's happening more and more year after year. And I just wonder whether it's something to do with the training staff or, or those sorts of things. But, you know, I am, um, yeah, it's a concern. And, you know, I've got the defensive ends free agent guys in front of me now and it's it's not a strong market because you're not going to get involved in a demarcus lawrence you know a, a prime a 
a pass rusher entering his prime, you're not going to be able to afford that. No. Ziggy Ansah is is too injury prone, I think. I mean, the third ranked guy on the list is is our own Cameron Wake. You know, you got Brandon Graham, who's still a, a good player, but he's 31. Alan Bailey is 30, system fit, you know, not really. Dante Fowler, who's flattered to see that Jackson's on now with the Rams. You know, all Frank of a sudden Clark you're looking I kind of like. Frank Clark uh, has always yeah. when I've seen him. But then you have to look at Frank Clark's off-the-field issues and, you know, where do we yeah. stand on, on what's happened with, with Frank Clark in the past, given the current furore around, you know, around Ruben Foster. Obviously, Clark has seemed to have kept his nose clean since he's been in Seattle, but, you know, the lure of South Beach is very different to the, the you know, you know the lure of uh, of Pike Place Market and you know Starbucks in Seattle. It's a it, it's yeah. an interesting one for me. You know, and then you go down the list and you're looking at you know 32 year old Michael Johnston, 34 year old William Hayes, you know Tyson Aluoloa, 32, Chris Long at 34, Marcus Hunt at 32, Derek Shelby, our old player, just got on IR today, 29, Dion Jordan, our old first round draft pick, 29. You know, and then you're heading into you know the Ethan Westbrooks and the Bruce Irvins and the the Wes Hortons and you know it's not it's not a good it's not a good group in terms of free agency. But it is a, one of the players I really like actually, who I think there will be a strong market for. But I think we will be a player. We could be a player in is Trey Flowers of New England. Yes. Trey Flowers, who you know, I've got a friend who over here is a huge Patriots fan, as as big a Patriots fan as we are, Dolphins fans. And in terms of his in depth knowledge of uh, of that team, uh, you know, and for him, Flowers is you know a very very good defensive end who plays both ways, i.e., he'll rush the passer, but also he's very strong in the run game. But he's not unleashed. You know, the way that he works in that system is not necessarily the way that we would unleash him as a pass rushing threat down after down. So I think Trey Flowers would be a very interesting name to keep an eye on. And like you say, Frank Clark is another 26-year-old. You know, he's he's primed for, for, for a strong contract. But, you know, if you don't get one of those two guys, then, you know, you're looking at Roy Robertson Harris at Chicago or, you know, F.A. Abada at Carolina, you know, those kind of younger, later maturing guys who are just beginning to scratch a surface that is probably lower than the surface we're looking for. But maybe you can mix that in with, you know, Brian Burns at Florida State or one of those, you know, young defensive ends, Polite at Florida, whoever, you know, it may be Josh Allen at Kentucky, the, the wonderful defensive end in the STC who's dominated there this year. But you've really got to hit on one of these guys coming out of the draft and one of these guys on free agency. I think that that for me would be the key. Yeah, after after they spent all that money on Ndamukong Sue, I doubt that they're going to give a look to this guy, but Geno Atkins is it might shake yeah. loose. And I, I would just find it insane if they go and they give him a pile of money after already giving a pile of money to a guy who's maybe a little bit better than him in Ndamukong yeah. Yeah. And what, they're going to make their same, the same mistake over and over again? I don't, I don't think so. I think if yeah. they are going to spend big money on a lineman, it's going to be an offensive lineman. And I look at that list and nothing really excites me. I don't know if, if you know any, any guy there that, that kind of moves the needle for you, especially in the interior. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the set. I mean, you know, Brett Jones at Minnesota is an interesting-ish guy. You know, Matt Parody at Denver. I think Gaze will know, but Parody's coming off an injury. You know, you for me, there's not there's no names in there that you kind of think, oh, there's a you know, there's a player in there necessarily in terms of centre guard. Let me just get the guard page up and see who's there. But again, I think you know, Jack Mason might shake loose, but yeah. I, I heard that they're gonna they're gonna pay him anyway. I think they have paid him already, haven't they? Didn't they end up paying him recently? Uh, I think that happened. Maybe it didn't. Maybe I just... You know, you know, look, Roger Saffold's played well for the Rams, but, you know, he's 32. Mighty Party, 32. Concussion issues. Andy Levitra, 33. And again, you're kind of looking... At, and there's guys on there that you just think, you know... DJ Fluke has played pretty well in Seattle, but system-wise, I don't think he fits for what we want to do. And then you're down to the John Grecos and the Eric Cushes and the, you know, Jamon Bushrods. And again, it's, you know, it's it's pretty, it's a a sad group. Yeah. It's a really sad group. And, uh, you know, I just don't know how you fix that. But again, we're, we're painted into a corner. Isaac Asiata, you know, uh, I think there'd have to be a, you know, a massacre for Asiata to see the field. Um, And even then they'd probably, you know, we'd probably end up playing Davin Godchow at left guard before Asiata saw the field. Um, you know, so who knows? But I just, you know, I think there are a lot of questions. I'm not immediately sure where all the answers come from. There's one interesting guy, and I think he's going to get a lot of money because it looks like the Texans are not 
going to pay him, and that's Jadavian Clowney. Mm. Now, any interest whatsoever there? He's going to be expensive. If, if yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be massively expensive, and I think he's probably going to be overvalued in the market because, you know, whilst he's a, he's a, uh, a very good player, um, he's obviously had injury issues. He's very good against the run, plays run very well. He's not going to be a 15, 12, 15 sack season guy. But also, I just think financially, he's just going to be way out of our price range. And also, I'd be surprised with, you know, as good as JJ Watt's been this season, you know, Whitney, Mer- Whitney Merciless hasn't quite regained his pre-injury form. I think that the Texans are going to have to try and keep, you know, I think you have to try and keep, keep Clowney where you can whether that means you have to get rid of a Lamar Miller or a Tyrone Matthew or you know whoever I, I just don't think that they're in a situation knowing that JJ Watt is coming towards the end and you don't you wonder whether Whitney Merciless will regain that form I think all of a sudden you can't go from you know a really strong pass rush with three guys to shit Watt's retiring Merciless is you know the 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 injury is just he's not going to get back and look we've left we've let Jadavion go when actually we could have afforded to pay him. I just, I, I don't, I don't see him shaking free out of Houston. I've got to say. All right. Well, we do play a game this week. We're talking we about the off season, but they are playing a game. They're five and six. Obviously they need this game for their self-respect. I would say. Okay. Cause a loss against the bills. If you thought that that seat was hot last week for Adam Gase, it'll be on fire. If he loses to the Buffalo bills this weekend, yeah. how do you see that game going? And give me your prediction. How do I see it going? Um, I mean, look, on paper, I'd assume that, that the Dolphins are going to win. It's at home. Uh, I think we're, we're road favourites. But, you know, look, Buffalo, have, what are they, a two-game winning streak now? They've played pretty well on offence the last, last couple of weeks. They've got Josh Allen back. And, you know, I'm sure Chris eulogised about, uh, about Josh Allen's future Hall of Fame potential. Um, you know, whereas I, I've never been convinced that he's going to be anything much more than average. Um, but to give him his due, he, he you know he took on a Jacksonville team with a lot to prove last week. A coming off the injury, B with the, the Jalen Ramsey comments, uh, and he performed really well. He made throws when he needed to. He was incredibly effective with his feet, and that's something that you know historically we've struggled with mobile quarterbacks. You know, I think he ended up with 97 yards rushing. Yeah, obviously had the big game rushing earlier on in the season against Minnesota, and that, the, you know the kind of the highlight play where he leaped over Anthony Barr. Um, and, and I suppose in a way it comes back to it comes back to trying, you know, a rookie quarterback who's only really started six or seven games is coming back to can we confuse him with things he hasn't seen before? Can we pressure him in terms of you know um, getting around the edge and getting to him or threatening to get to him and forcing him to throw quickly? You know, he won't. You know, he's going to be going up against two of the best, better cornerbacks that he will have played against. You know, obviously last week, AJ Boye and, and Jalen Ramsey are very, very good players. He's going to have the same situation this week with, with Xavier Howard and, and, um, uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick. What happened last week was that Jacksonville couldn't get any pressure on him, really. They got consistent pressure up the middle, but they couldn't get consistent pressure around the edge. Obviously, without Dante Fowler there anymore, Yannick Ngakwe is having a, a, a down year. Um, I think we need to get, you know, we need to get in his face. They they found a receiver in Robert Farmer who's really working for them. Um, but I think it's a massive game for Adam Gaze. I really do. And, you know, we're, I'm as big an advocate as, as anybody is of him. But I think if you lose to Buffalo at home, I think all bets are off, really. I mean, I can't see them losing. But, you know, I think that would be a... That would be a... That would be, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to go there. It would be shambolic. It would be shambolic. Um I just, I mean, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I, think I think their offensive line is struggling, you know, and I think it just plays really well into our favour. It's almost like, you know, the, the, the Josh Allen kind of return was kind of gave him a bit of a boost last week. I just don't see the same thing happening this week. And, I, you know, I think we're better than Jacksonville anyway. Uh, certainly offensively, we're better than Jacksonville. I think we, you know, hopefully the experience of players like Tannehill and Gore and Amendola, if he plays, will be able to confuse Tremaine Edmonds, who's who's played okay and has has come on, but you know, obviously inexperienced and the junior that he was, yeah, he's going to be still be seeing things, uh, you know, rabbit in headlights a little bit. I just think experience on offense, I think, is hopefully going to get us you know, get us over the line. They're missing guys. I think Jeremiah Sells was was practicing with the first team this week. John Miller's out. Um, so we'll see. But I think losing would just be, would be an, uh, not an all-time low, but it would be a pretty big 
low in terms of where we've been over the past few years. All right, give me a score. I'm going Miami Dolphins 34, Buffalo Bills 17. I'm pretty much along those lines. And yes, yeah. if they lose, I would go, because last week it was just severe disappointment. But if they lose this week, I would move from disappointment to anger. Mm. And I just don't see it happening. I think they step up for their coach. And they have a very similar performance to, to what you just said, 34-17. I'll, I'll go a little less. I'll go 31-20. How about that? Well, that is one event. But there's another event the night before the Dolphins mm. play the Buffalo Bills. And that's at Staples Center. I don't know why they didn't do this in Las Vegas, but they didn't. They're doing it at Staples Center. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder for the heavyweight title of the world. This is not something that comes around very often, but we have an actual heavyweight championship fight with some consequences. The last mm. one was Joshua Klitschko. Yep. We have one now in the States. How do you see the fight going? And give me your prediction. By the way, on Bet DSI, you can bet the fight. And Tyson Fury is plus 150. Deontay Wilder is the favorite at minus 170. How do you see it going? Okay. Give me a prediction. It's interesting because um, I'm not a Fury fan per se, uh, and certainly not a fan of some of the things that he comes out with, um, you know, in terms of stuff away from boxing. He's very controversial. I don't know if listeners know, but he comes from a gypsy background, so a traveling family background in terms of um, people that travel around and live, uh, you know, I suppose beyond the the uh, the norms of society. But historically, obviously, gypsy families, traveler families from from Ireland and, uh, and those sorts of things. Uh, he's a very interesting character. He's also a very interesting fighter. And I think, you know, one of the one of the interesting things about him is that he is a very smart fighter. And you, you, you go back to that Klitschko fight where he where he won the world heavyweight title a few years ago in, in Dusseldorf. Uh, and, and what he essentially did in that fight was that he fought Southpaw. He switched styles to try and confuse, and he ultimately did confuse Klitschko. Um, and won the, you know, kind of shocked the world in inverted commas and, and won the title. Wilder, over here, Wilder is seen as a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit laissez-faire in terms of the way he covers up. He's a bit of a windmill swinger, I think. The reputation is over here. Yeah. I, I think fans, you know, purists over here certainly don't put him as a particular threat well, to Anthony Joshua, for example. He's, he's very poor, technically. Yeah, I mean, he's very poor, technically. I, I, you know, and look, you look back to you look back to some of his fights more recently, you know, I think the, the the fight against I think what six of his I think I read the other day six of his eight world title fights have gone at least into the eighth round, yes. and then that that really ugly win against Ortiz um, in the tenth kind of because that for me I, I mean he looked dead and buried in that fight at one point and you, you know he clearly can carry his power throughout the fight which is going to be interesting for Fury who's who's not had a lot of fights over the last few years you know he and, shed ten stones Fury and, in the past and let's be truthful about this Luis Ortiz is probably sixty eight years old he's just not telling yeah no, absolutely absolutely but you know and I think the the reputation I think over here and uh, the BBC's boxing correspondent Mike Costello wrote wrote an article about this a couple of days ago which uh, and he had a very good line which says aside from Ortiz Wilder's opposition may well belong in the Hall of Tame. He has a knack for getting the job done and unlike some heavy punches has shown strong survival instincts when her, as he was against Ortiz and of course Eric Molina. So, uh, you know, it's a, it, it is interesting. I, I wonder how, I wonder how fit and ready Fury is just because of his lack of, his lack of, uh, of match readiness, I suppose, his lack of fights, you know what I mean? But, but on the flip side of that, of that is that, um, you know, Fury hasn't had a lot of fights before he beat Klitschko, um, so we'll have to see how it. We'll have to see how it plays out. And you know, the, there's a lot going on in the Tyson Fury mind. You know, he's suffered, I think, very heavily with depression. Um, but if he's right, if he's ready, you know, because he has the guile, he has the ability to to defeat Wilder. And I think if you're Anthony Joshua sat there, I think, uh, and I think it's a pretty much a you know an open secret. Joshua would much rather face Wilder. Then he'd face Fury. I think Fury would, you know, Wilder, you'll come out swinging, and I think Joshua would just be able to catch him with one of those big hanging right hands. Whereas with Fury, you, you, you're going to get a proper purist boxing match. You're not going to get a, you know, toe to toe 
slugfest. So I, I think it'll be very interesting. I'll say, I, I suspect Fury might not be ready. But then I thought the same thing about when he fought Klitschko and look what happened there. So I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. Um, perhaps home field advantage might get over the line for Wilder. Well, what do you think? You're, you're, a, you're a big, huge list fan. Where, where, where do you stand there? I think Tyson Fury could easily have an eight round to one lead going into the yeah. ninth. And yeah. Wilder can just land one punch. Fury can leave himself open for that one moment because that's one thing you can say about Deontay Wilder. Yes, okay, he's fought a lot of what we call here in the States tomato cans, but he sauced those tomato cans. He's finished those tomato cans. If he hits Tyson Fury, he can hurt him. I think Tyson Fury, yes, he did have a tune-up coming into this fight off of his layoff. I don't think that was enough. I just don't think that was enough. And I think that Deontay Wilder, having been tested by – Luis Ortiz is going to be a little bit more schooled, let's say. And I think he'll do enough to get a late-round knockout. But I think he's going to need a late-round knockout because, like yeah. I said, so I'll go I'll go Deontay Wilder with a knockout in the 10th, but I would not be surprised in the least bit if he's down maybe 8 yeah. to 1 going into that 10th that round. He could lose a decision easily, in my opinion. But I'll take Wilder by a late, late knockout. Okay, Fury's only fought twice in two and a half years, or three times in two and a half years, but he's fought twice, albeit against lesser companies, since the last time Wilder was in the ring. So it will be really interesting. And I think I, I'm with you. I think I could I could absolutely envisage a scenario where where Fury is ahead significantly on points and then takes a shot because those big overhand rights that Fury's quite susceptible to and Wilder throws very well could be one of the you know the downfall punches that, that that decides it in the end so we'll see it should be fascinating though all right well that's it there is no more we gave you a lot this week even gave you boxing and <laughs> if speaking of boxing on the network it starts up again this week at out for the count you could find them on twitter at out for the number four the count they have a podcast on there they'll be covering the fight all week and of course they'll be leading up to the canelo fight on december 16th but that's it for us this week. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you guys again next week after a win against the Buffalo Bills. That's six hope. and six Miami Dolphins, you mean? Yes. And, and then that'll be leading up into the, the Patriots game, which is going to give us a little bit of juice, you know what I mean? Because yeah. when that Patriots game, we start believing again. Although, exactly. for no reason, but yeah. at least I need, be, be, I need to be dashed again, but hey ho. All right, that's it. There is no more. See you next week. Till then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.